0: Well, you could believe, Mr. Pecker. My name is Peck. Or you could accept the fact that this city is headed for a disaster of biblical proportion. What do you mean, biblical? What he means is Old Testament, Mr. Mr. Mayor. Real wrath of God type stuff. Exactly. Fire and brimstone coming down from the skies. Rivers and seas boiling. Forty years of darkness, earthquakes, volcanoes, the dead rising from the grave. Human sacrifice, dogs and cats living together, mass hysteria. Enough!
1: I get the point. (laughs)
2: Welcome to Double Impact, the podcast where we double back on the movies that impacted us growing up as 90s kids and decide whether they hold up today or are best left in the past.
1: I'm Tristan. And I'm Greg. And we are doing Ghostbusters this morning. Woo! Pretty excited.
2: Released in 1984.
1: Great year, year, I was born.
2: Uh, yeah, I was, I was born that year. Thanks for remembering, Greg. That's you're very welcome. sweet
1: of you. Yeah. Budget
2: of $25 million with a return of just under $300 million at $295.7
1: million. Uh, reoccurring. Not
2: bad. Yeah, a <laughs> Repeater, of course. Um, not bad. Not bad.
1: <laughs> I have a tidbit from 1984. Oh, uh, yeah? Uh, it was the last year that an Academy Award was given away in the category of Best Original Musical. Huh. So, there was this, there is an open category, but apparently it hasn't been awarded since this year due to lack of contenders, according to the internet.
2: Wait, so it still exists, just no one is winning it recently. Apparently. So, we should make, but people have made musicals recently. Yeah. So, 84 was the year the the musical died.
1: Yeah. Can you guess what it was?
2: Uh, The Sound of Music. Uh, It's the only musical I can think of.
1: Purple Rain. Ah. Not to be confused with Chubby Rain.
2: Yes. <laughs>
1: Kit Ramsey, I believe, starred that. Yeah, he
2: did. <laughs> or his
1: brother. Yeah, one of them. One of the two. One of the Ramseys.
2: Yeah. So, obviously a hit. This was a um, critic score of 97% on Rotten Tomatoes. 97? 97. 97. Well, audience score was only 88%. What the, what the fuck's their problem? What's, St- stupid audiences.
1: Yeah. I mean... And stupid critics. Yeah. There's a good 3% there that's gone waiting. (laughs) It's
2: true. Um, The the second one only got 53% critic score.
1: Oh, Vigor? Vigor does not score well? No,
2: apparently not. Yeah. And then the the reboot in 2016 got 74% critic score and 50% audience score. Interesting. Interesting. I'm sure we'll touch that a little bit later. Touch it. Touch it. Yeah, 1984, big year for movies. Uh, I thought you were going to say big year for me. Big year for me. I <laughs> uh, came into existence. It was pretty, kind of a big deal. Biggest thing that's ever happened to me. Mm. Uh, but also Beverly Hills Cop was number one that year. Number two was, of course, this this picture. Aquel. Uh, Aquel. Uh, number three, Indiana Jones in the Temple of Doom. Number four, Gremlins. Number five, The Karate Kid. Number Oof. six, Police Academy. Number seven, Footloose. Number eight, Romance in the Stone. Number nine, one of the Star Trek's. Number 10, Splash. Wow. What
1: a movie. What a
2: year. What a year for movies. It's a
1: good year. Yeah. I should be proud of that year. Oh,
2: yeah. Purple Rain came out that year. Damn it. I should have known that. Revenge of the Noids, The Terminator, Oh, The Gods Must Be Crazy, Nightmare on Elm Street. I think we've actually done 1984, maybe one of the most in the podcast. I think so. Yeah. We might need to expand a little. But what a year. That's
1: how I know what year you're born (laughs) because you remind me.
2: Yeah. A pretty massive year. Didn't quite get to number one, but it did get to number two. We are of course talking about Ghostbusters. Something I assume this was a big one for you, Greg.
1: Huge. Yeah, same. Yeah, yeah, real big. Uh, maybe the biggest. Yeah. Yeah, this is definitely one of my favorite movies of all time.
2: Yeah. But at the time, was it too? Yes. Yeah, yeah.
1: Uh, so this would have been probably just about the first movie I saw. Yeah. One of my earliest memories was my Ghostbuster t-shirt. So I had like, it was pale blue. I'll see if I can dig up some photos. I Ooh, wore it a nice. lot. yeah. Um, big Ghostbusters logo on the front. wore it as often as I could. I think it's kind of like the way my son wears his Spider-Man or Hulk. Or.
2: Yeah, I had a Superman pyjama thing that I yeah. would just wear all the time. Pyjamas. Yeah. Uh,
1: <laughs> yeah, this was kind of like my superhero costume. Yeah, nice.
2: Yeah. So I think I might have had a similar – I think I might have entered in Ghostbusters 2 due to my age. I remember finding that really scary. Well, they're all kind of jumbled, but I remember the slime and all that stuff, which is number two, right? Um, oh, the, like yeah, out of the bathtub. The and of that. Slime, yeah. yeah. But I do remember – being legitimately scared of that library scene in this one. And so uh-huh. I think I probably watched it quite young and then probably didn't watch it that much right away because I've probably found it too scary. But then it came back, a big movie for me. Mm. Yeah. And also, I think part, of, oh, I think that's why I got scared is because I used to see ghosts in my bedroom at night, like when I wake up in the middle of the night mm-hmm. and um, like consistently, and they had bowling ball heads. <laughs> it was these ghosts with bowling ball heads. Right. Yeah, I remember vividly. There was one, and usually I'll turn the lamp on, which is next to my bed on the desk. But one night I woke up and there was a bowling ball man with a moustache sitting at my desk, and so I was too scared to even turn on the light. So I was just like.
1: "Uh." Oh. Yeah. The bowling ball man.
2: Yeah, bowling ball head people.
1: Really? Yeah.
2: Did you not have any,
1: you didn't find this scary at all growing up? Um. Probably, yeah, I think the opening scene used to freak me out.
2: I think especially even before she transforms and she's just kind of hovering there because you've never seen anything before in your life like that, right? It's
1: like what the fuck. Just when they yeah when they're yeah. walking through, yeah, gets, and then the 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 wall falls down. Yeah, I'd never understood. You know how it's just a white wall behind them. Oh yeah. I used to think it was like another dimension. And I don't know why because I was. Oh uh, yeah. And then, but I used to like pause it. I remember having to turn the volume down as soon as had it up really loud. Oh, yeah. And then he goes, get her!" (laughs) I used to have to like turn it down. But I used to pause it and try and like study her weird ghost head. Really? Yeah. That's interesting. Oh,
2: practical too. We'll get into that a bit later. All right. It's a big for both of us. I think that was probably pretty obvious. But should we get into the origin story? Sure.
0: Origin Story.
2: Right, so this is uh, very much from the brain of Mr. Dan Aykroyd, who I don't know. I, are you? He's not one of my guys, really. I like him, but he's never been like.
1: Yeah, like he. He's, he's there. In, he's in stuff. Yeah. That I like.
2: Yeah, and I like this, and this is obviously he is. Yeah, and I probably didn't realize that growing up. It's a bit like um, how you think. Jerry in Seinfeld is the shit one when you're young and then you realise, oh no, he's making the show. That's his it's or Dr. Dre's like the the shit rapper in N W like you don't realise that they're making it at all. Mm. So I think that's one of these ones. But yeah, this is all his this is his baby. The, the puppeteer. Yeah. Not the puppet. Yeah. So the year was nineteen eighty one. Dan Aykroyd reads an article on quantum physics and parapsychology in the journal of the American Society for Psychical Research. As you do. As one
1: does, yeah. yeah apparently he's quite into the whole
2: <laughs> Oh yeah, he is. He loves it. He loves it. Um but yeah, inspiration strikes. So he's always been a, a bit of a weirdo with that stuff. Um his family history is uh sprinkled with ghosts and ghouls. Maybe not maybe not ghouls, but ghosts. What they're, are ghouls? I don't know. Are they just ugly ghosts? Yeah. Maybe. They sound scarier. Ghosts is more neutral. Mm. Maybe it's like a slur. Maybe you're not supposed to say ghouls, the G word. His great-grandfather was a spiritualist in the era of King Edward, apparently. I don't know what that means, really.
1: I assume it's in yesteryear.
2: Yeah, yesteryear. Well, I think the King Edward period was like the early 1900s. But anyway, uh, his mother maintains that she saw an apparition. Apparition? Apparition, yeah, of his great-grandparents while nursing him as a baby. Oh. Hmm. Yeah, and so so he had kind of um, that history in his family. He he's reading this article, and he also just was thinking, you know what? There were all these cool ghost movies back in the forties, which I'd never heard of, such as Ghost Chasers mm-hmm. and Ghost Breakers. And he thought, huh? Well, wouldn't that be a, a cool idea to bring that into the modern era? Mm. This was made in 1984, so him referring back to the forties is only forty years ago. Yeah. Next year the 80s is 40 years ago. <laughs> How fucked up is that? Wow. Yeah, right? That's messed uh. up. So they cuz they're making a new Ghostbusters movie next year. That's going to that's like him referring back to The Roaring 40s. The Roaring 40s. We're referring back to the Roaring 80s. But wow. I ne- I'd never heard of these movies, so I looked some of them up and some of them are actually quite close to they're almost like you can see the direct kind of mm, lineage between these movies. This is the trailer for Ghostbreakers with um, with Bob Hope with James Cagney.
0: <laughs> Ghostbreakers Incorporated: You make 'em, we shake 'em. Bob Hope speaking. Yes, Paulette Goddard's a partner in this firm. What you want me to send her around? <laughs> Listen, if I could tell Paulette what to do, I wouldn't send her to your house, sucker. <laughs> You know, I never knew there were so many ghosts roaming around loose until Paulette and I got into the Ghost Breakers. Believe me, the cat and the canary was a Pretty pink tea yeah. compared to this picture. It all starts on one terrible night. Basil Rathbone must be giving a party. That's the night that Paulette inherits a ghostly ancient castle off the ghost, I mean the coast of Cuba. The place is filled with mummies and spooks that walk at midnight. There are murders and death warnings planned to frighten Paulette and me, but we ain't frightened match
2: you to see who faints first. So you get the idea. He's even answering the phone. Ghost breakers, you, whatever, we, whatever. You make him, we shake them. Is? is that what he said? He did. Yeah, nice. um, what does that mean? I don't know. Ghost shakers? Ghost breakers. Who knows, if only we could go back and listen to that, which would be very easy to do. Um, So that seemed a little bit scarier, which is interesting because the original Ghostbusters concept was a lot scarier, darker, grittier. Was it? Yeah. So why don't I go through some of the backstory in the the scripting. So there was an original version, Hot Off the Heels of uh, Blues Brothers with John Belushi. So obviously they go way, way back with SNL and I think Uh one of those comedy crews. Um, and so it was, it was meant to be a vehicle for them again. They've been mm, doing lots of right. movies as duos. The fir- Dan Aykroyd's first three movies were with John Belushi as well. So it was going to be for those two with a little uh, up-and-coming star named Mr. Eddie Murphy. Ah, But then about a third of the way through writing this script, in fact, he, while he was in the action of writing a line for John Belushi, he gets a call from his manager that Belushi had just passed away. So kind of fucked up. There's obviously mm-hmm. lots to talk about there, but we'll probably save that for a Blues Brothers episode or something.
1: Yeah, dedicate it to John. Yeah,
2: but um, so then they kind of shifted gears and started writing that part for Bill Murray, which makes sense. Uh, also NSNL guys, so part of that crew as well. Um, but that first script, apparently called Ghost Smashes, so the idea, a bit like how it ended up, the idea was always to have these guys set up as very ordinary, as you would have a... Fire Department or Pest Control, they were just like a… Service. Yeah, like, like a, a really standard-y kind of service thing. But in the original script it was set in the future and they would travel through space, time and uh, dimensions yeah. a bit and things. more
1: Rick and Morty-ish. Yeah, perhaps.
2: Yeah, yeah, yeah. And darker and scarier. Uh, uh, apparently. Yeah. Stargate. I'm paraphrasing. What? Yeah, like Stargate.
1: Stargate. Or um, Loopers. Wait, no, that's different. Sliders. What What's the one with um, Anakin Skywalker? A
2: jumper, jumper. Uh, ew. Mm-hmm. But anyway, um, Aykroyd wanted Ivan Reitman, so he he'd done Animal House, Meatballs, Stripes. Would later go on to do Twins, delightful little Rump. But they were also part of the same comedy crew from Canada, a eh? second city. Uh huh. Loved the script, but he's like, you know, we can't really make this movie. That's going to cost like two or three hundred million dollars, which was unhoid of especially for a comedy so there was sort of this and
1: 1983 or
2: whatever yeah yeah exactly so for any kind of movie that's a huge budget but especially for a comedy so they used to have like this I guess conventional wisdom around well a comedy will only ever return this much there's a a ceiling there for comedies so you never want to spend more than X because it's only going to get to Y or whatever Mm -hmm. although funnily enough this became the highest grossing comedy ever at the time only to be beaten later by Home Alone Mm. Yeah. And actually probably if you adjust for inflation, it's probably still pretty up there. But they could get a green light if they got the budget down to twenty five million, so roughly ten percent of what that original idea would have cost. So they bring in just pair in, it back. Yeah.
1: Yeah. Just pair it back a little few, bit. A few less dimensions. <laughs>
2: <laughs> um, we'll make it a cartoon. Make it a cartoon. Oh, that cartoon was pretty good. We'll come back to Yeah, me. we'll get to that. Um all right, so Reitman suggested some tweaks, brings in Mr. Harold Ramus, who up until a couple episodes ago we thought was the same person as Ivan yep. Reitman.
1: <laughs> Still, maybe they are.
2: Um, bring him in. He obviously plays Egon, but he also helped rewrite the script. So him and um, uh, Ackroyd worked together on refining that script and they had quite a complementary writing partnership apparently. So Ramus is really good at the dialogue and refining the jokes and that kind of shit and – Dan is bringing in the fucking paranormal aspects and all that jargon and all that. There was quite a lot of that in there, wasn't there? A lot. And in there, it makes sense when you realize that he's into this shit in real life because there's some, it's pretty, yeah. (laughs) He spouted Um, it pretty well. Yeah, yeah. So obviously they changed the setting, but they also then started to really differentiate the characters a lot more than they initially were. So making Dan Aykroyd's character sort of the heart, Ramus's character the brains, and then obviously. Bill Murray's character, The Mouth. Ah. Yeah, but there was some other casting. I'll give you a couple of interesting little pre-casties. Actually, I got one interesting pre-castie and then a bunch of unverified pre-casties. But the one legit one, Julia Roberts auditioned for Sigourney Weaver's role. Did she? Yeah, yeah. So she auditioned, didn't get it. Sigourney Weaver, of course, got it. But at this point, she'd only really done Alien, or at least in terms of fame. Yeah. And so it wasn't really considered a comedic act- actress.
1: This was her trying to level her profile Yeah, to avoid typecasting.
2: Yeah, and apparently she nailed it. She came into the audition acting like a dog and going yeah, all crazy the, and
1: shit. She, she did the transformation into the... Yeah. <laughs> if you're going to go, oh, okay, I'm going to do a comedy, but then you play the serious person in a comedy. Yeah, because she doesn't act... That, yeah, she doesn't... Is she serious in it? She, she's a, the character's kind of serious, isn't she? She's
2: kind she's of. She's not cracking jokes. A yeah. Bit, a bit like when we talk about um Naked Gun, they're all serious actors. Yeah. And it was just funny because they're playing it so straight. So she's just playing it straight. She's playing so, it pretty straight. Yeah. Oh, you know she's six foot two. Six two. Yeah. How, How good, crazy is that? I no wonder
1: if she fucked up all those aliens. It's <laughs> <Yeah. laughs> huge, man. Six two is tall. Yeah. Good for her. Yeah.
2: <laughs> um. So originally Louis was going to be John Candy.
1: I did hear this.
2: Yeah. I think we may, if I recall correctly, and we may have even talked about this on the Honey, I Shrunk the Kids episode because he then suggested Rick Moranis eventually, but he was going to play him as a German character with all these dogs and be a mad weirdo.
1: Yeah, but he wanted to be more, apparently he wanted to be a bigger part as well. Yeah. He wanted to be like a
2: And they were like, yeah, eh, this movie's got enough dog. It doesn't need any more dog because it's got the, you know, the demon dogs. And uh, then he was also like, yeah, well, I also don't really think I want to do this. And they were like, yeah, <laughs> okay, fine. And then um, Rick. they bring in uh, Rick Moranis. Uh, well, this this perfect? Perfect. Always, always. What a great little guy. Anyway, well, well, if we do, we'll talk about him a little bit in this episode. But if you want a deep dive on Moranis, go listen to our Honey, I Shrunk the Kids episode where we pay him mad respect
1: any other any other pre So I've got some
2: unverified pre Michael Keaton, Chevy Chase, Walken, uh, yep. Lithgow, Goldblum, oh. G- Gutenberg. Goldblum would have been pretty good. Yeah, they all would I have feel been like good. he's about to be overplayed now, Goldberg, but uh Goldblum, Bloom. Bloom. Fuck. <laughs> Goldberg Bloom Steam. Goldstein. That's mad. Mad racist? You kind of. <laughs> I was, was going to say that would be the name of my made-up agent.
1: <laughs> <laughs> Goldberg and Weinstein. <William laughs> yeah, I think these Steinberg? are all just
2: popular people at the time because everything I read, it sounds like it was pretty obvious he was going to be cast in all of it, except for Mr. Ernie Hudson, who had to audition five times. What? And then when when Eddie Murphy wasn't in it, they kind of changed his role significantly and made it a lot smaller. But I think he brings something nice to this movie. I think he's uh well, he's kind of the, uh, maybe the... Uh, like he's the normal guy. The proxy or the... No, but well, there's a word for that. Anyway. Yeah, uh, know the word. Smarter people would know the word. Uh, yeah. Oh, oh yeah. Annie good. Potts as well. Janine. Janine. You know, she's the voice of Bo Peep in Toy Story. Ah. you learned this recently. Excellent. Yeah. Oh, yeah. And the big bad alien chick at the end. That's another precast. He, that was going to be Paul Rubens, otherwise known as Pee Wee Hyman.
1: And they went with a, a Serbian national.
2: Well, he passed. So he was, his, his version of oh. that was going to be more of like an architect, man in a suit type thing. And he passed and then they were like, went back to the drawing board and decided for some androgynous Grace Jones, Bowie type figure. But they should have got Bowie or Grace Jones. That would have been good. Mm. So anyway, they finished the script. But they finished the script in 1983. This movie had to come out in 1984. So this shit was getting tight, 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 tight. They're basically like editing while they're filming and all that shit. But anyway, it eventually comes out on the same day as Gremlins. Came out on the same day. What a time to be alive. Madness. Like Gremlins, Ghostbusters, me being born. These are def-
1: They the come in threes, two right? Are, two of those are defining things of my childhood. <laughs>
2: <laughs> yeah. All right. Um, so then the movie comes out. Huge hit. Biggest comedy of all time. Yada, yada, yada. Let's play the trailer.
0: Ghosts.
3: Hello, Ghostbusters.
0: They're real. You do. You have.
1: They're here.
0: We got one! Ghostbusters.
1: Hey, anybody see a ghost?
0: They catch the ghost that won't stay dead. (gasps) Ghostbusters. They're armed. They're dangerous. Try to imagine all life as you know it stopping instantaneously and every molecule in your body exploding at the speed of light. All right, that's bad. Okay. All right, important safety tip. Thanks, Egon.
1: They're professionals. <laughs>
0: oh. <laughs> I'm the chairman of the largest paranormal removal company in America. Oh, you see it? They're all that between you and the end of the world. Oh. The city is headed for a disaster of biblical proportion. Real Wrath of God type stuff. Fire and brimstone coming down from the sky. Human sacrifice, dogs and cats living together. Mass hysteria. Your girlfriend lives in the corner penthouse of Spook Central. Do you want this body? Is this a trick question? Ghostbusters. Starring Bill Murray, Dan Aykroyd, Sigourney Weaver... Harold Ramis, Rick Moranis, coming to save the world. Who you gonna call? Ghostbusters.
2: I mean, that trailer does a decent job of going through some of the main
1: elements of the plot, but mm.
2: for those who haven't watched it in a while, Greg, what's the, what's the plot?
1: Yeah, I'd be uh, happy to do that for you. <laughs> um, Larry King, Colonel Sanders, J.K. Rowling. Susan Boyle, Dr. Peter Vankman, Egon Ray. What do these people have in common? Um, I don't know. That's right. They all overcame unemployment and abject poverty to go on and thrive, creating empires. Ah. Ghostbusters. Did you say Larry King?
2: Yes. He's in this too. Yeah, sure. So is. It's film debut.
1: Anyway, continue. Ghostbusters. The story of three friends who were fired from their university fellow roles and a couple of other people they hire, found a gap in the market, a blue ocean strategy executed (laughs) perfectly by understanding their market and the needs of their customer and providing a unique service that solves that customer problem. In this instance, busting ghosts. Right. In a short period of time, they took over the ghost busting market, at a time when it was in most need. Going on to become the largest paranormal removal company in North America. Now, Tristan, as marketers, it's worth pointing out that their strategy was supported by some shrewd marketing work, most notably strong branding (laughs) and memorable advertising.
2: Yeah, good logo.
1: We're ready to believe you. (laughs) It is strong. Remember the TVC? Yeah. It's also a love story.
2: (laughs) Is it though? Oh, kind of. Say that. Well, it is kind of a love story because, um, obviously, Sigourney Weaver, but also Dan Aykroyd seems to get a blowjob from a ghost at some point. I didn't remember that when I was a kid. Yeah. What the fuck is that? It's a, it's and he does, he's like, oh, job. right.
1: It's a ghost job.
2: He goes like cross-eyed or whatever. Like, it's, what the fuck is that?
1: I mean, you would. You're not going to like, oh, no, no, no.
2: Would you, though? I mean, well, I guess you... I mean, ghost I don't job? Know. I'd
1: call a ghost job.
2: Well, you don't even know what's doing that. Yeah. <laughs> But he didn't seem, he couldn't see it. Is he good? It's like, a, it's like an invisible glory hole, Go, ghost, <laughs> <laughs> a glory hole to another dimension. <laughs> uh. Yeah, what a weirdo. He wrote this, remember? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it, this. It's like, it's like, oh, <laughs> it's the 80s, baby. <laughs> and then I get a blowjob from a ghost. <laughs> oh, someone, Kesha, you know that singer, Kesha? She reckons she had sex with a ghost. Good. Yeah. Uh, well, how how was the rewatch for you?
1: It was divine.
2: Divine.
1: Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, it was epic. Mm. As soon as I saw the opening, you know, the Columbia. Yeah, yeah. Um, which I, when I was young, I used to think that that was the Ghostbusters movie. So any time oh. I saw a Columbia, you know, the oh, Satchel of Liberty or whatever, yeah, yeah, yeah. and then it went to a different movie, I thought someone had just taped over Ghostbusters. <laughs> That's mad. Which happened a lot. Yeah, man, it was, it was a real treat of a rewatch. It was, wasn't it? Yeah, it was everything I knew it was and a little bit more, I guess.
2: Yeah, I was, I was pretty in a similar space. I was surprised at how much so many of the effects hold up, especially the, the ghosts themselves. They look fucking sick. They do, don't they? Yeah, they look sick, man. Like the library ghost looks fucking amazing. Like
1: you wouldn't, if you made a ghost movie now. You'd
2: do some CGI bullshit.
1: Yeah. They they
2: look sick. And it almost looks more, they they, obviously there's a certain, uh, they look kind of weird, but that works. That's what makes it work.
1: Yeah. Um, They haven't over-engineered it.
2: Yeah. And I think uh, one thing I found was it's not that funny really but not in a bad way it's just heaps weird and surreal but not like I wasn't I wasn't
1: laugh out loud I I was lolling really there's some stuff
2: I kind of like in the trailer there where it's funny like the way Bill Murray says it but the line itself it's not like if someone else read it it probably wouldn't be funny yes but yeah this is not a critique this is more just like I was expecting more of like a straight up comedy but it's more just the real oddball weird surreal the whole thing is funny but it's not like a laugh a minute type of thing, Yeah, which, yeah. I, but but which I was happy with.
1: The one line is, there's, it's it's got a lot of like, well, he's so dry. Yeah, yeah. So there's lots of back off, i a scientist.
2: Yeah, yeah. And a the Twinkie, the Twinkie, it's <laughs> one of my favorite bits.
0: Well, let's say this Twinkie represents the normal amount of psychokinetic energy in the New York area. According to this morning sample, it would be a Twinkie 35 feet long, weighing approximately 600 pounds. <coughs> that's a big Twinkie. We could be on the verge of a fourfold cross-rip, a PKE surge of incredible, even dangerous proportions. We just had a visit from the Environmental Protection Agency. How's the grid holding up? It's not good. Tell them about the Twinkie. What about the Twinkie?
2: <laughs> I don't know why I so funny. Uh, anyway. It's a delight. It's delightful. Oh, the other thing I was finding in the rewatch is I actually realized I had no idea what the actual story was. <laughs> and I, was, I felt like I was learning the story for the first time. It's like, oh, it was the architect with the building. and like It's
1: legitimate too. Like it's
2: it yeah. like, feels tight. It, it pays off quite well. That's what I was thinking. And like I was trying to think why it works. And I think there's a few ingredients. One of them is that, like a bit like what we did Back to the Future, it's just it's such a tight little operation where mm, all these seeds yeah. planted pay yeah. off and like crossing the streams aside of maybe being the ultimate one. Mm-hmm. But everything just pays off. Which has
1: lasted into vernacular quite well.
2: Oh, Very much so, especially at the, uh, the men's room.
1: <laughs> <laughs> or anywhere two men are pissing.
2: <laughs> uh, what was I going to say there? Oh, yeah. But speaking of Back to the Future… I think in the rewatch, I was expecting a Back to the Future. I, I think for you, you got that. I think I would say for me, this wasn't. Back to the Future was pure bliss. Every minute, I'm sitting there on the. I was watching it on the floor, right up to the TV, and like the whole thing was like, yeah. You this, didn't get that with this. I got this for in bursts, and there were a few lols in sprints. Yeah. There were a few lulls, not lulls I meant to say, lulls where it just got, it was still fine. I still, still out of all the movies we've done, this is probably <clears throat> top five or whatever, probably uh-huh. maybe even top two. I'm not sure. But yeah. Back to the Future was like bam, 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 bam. Interesting. And maybe that, yeah, I don't know. Maybe it's
1: because they shout more than these guys do.
2: <laughs> There's a lot of shout. And maybe it's just Michael J. Fox, man. He, he is spectacular. So is Bill Murray. Yeah, he's built Yeah, he's good too. Um. Oh, yeah, the other the other part I think it's just like the 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 ordinary slash extraordinary. They're talking about pretty extraordinary things, but in su- it's dealt with in such an ordinary thing, like the fact that they are set up just like pest control and yeah, it's not nice. it's not over the top. And maybe that original script would have been a bit over the top.
1: Yeah, would have been definitely a different movie.
2: Yeah, yeah, and actually it's interesting because um, Ivan Reitman talks about how he saw in the script this marshmallow man thing, and he's like, okay. That's fucking hard to do. How are we going to make that believable? How's how's it going to make you invested, you know?
0: I thought for this movie to be successful, that it was important for us to sort of really believe in the occurrences. Uh, If you just tell someone, you know, by the end of the movie, there's this marshmallow man who's 150 feet tall and he's walking down Central Park West, you can't believe it. So you have to try to figure out a series of steps that will allow that believability to occur. How we achieve that is by starting them in a very sort of mundane, realistic situation. They're, they work at a university, they're scientists, they're not doing particularly well, they get kicked out, and they decide to set up a business themselves. And it's dealing with all those things in the sort of first act of the movie that makes you sort of believe in the truth of it.
2: See? Yeah, so it's.
1: It's an entrepreneurial. Yeah, it's
2: really journey. a story of small business. It is. Uh, <laughs> um, and, Ameri- and America. But I think that's what you're saying as well, right? The the tightness of it all, like all those orchestration of it. I think in the original script, like Marshmallow Man pops out 20 minutes in, like it's not a build up like that. So, mm. yeah, it's interesting. Special effects, like we're saying, they hold up pretty good. FX. FX, sorry.
1: Yeah, come yeah. on, mate. Come on. We've been FX. doing this for a while now.
2: <laughs> I think maybe just the stop motion dogs are a bit. <laughs> yeah. That's still charming, though. But, yeah. but I think they, they hold up in a nostalgic way, whereas the ghosts, I think, 100% hold up. Like, I would like to see that used in movies today, like straight up. A lot of the movies we've done, when we talk about special effects, it's all one company, Industrial Light and Magic. This one is not because Industrial Light and Magic were busy doing Temple of Doom. Ah. So MGM actually built a new special effects group called Boss Film Studios, and so they were working on this movie and that sequel to 2001 Space Odyssey.
1: Oh, I don't think anyone's
2: seen that because it's not, yeah, it's not Kubrick, <laughs> and I don't think it's, I don't know if it's Arthur C. Clarke. But anyway, um, uh, so th- these were all new dudes, but uh, like we're saying, it's like mostly practical, like the ghosts and shit with people in costumes, and then I guess they just do some kind of green screeny type of shit and superimpose them in there. Pretty fucking cool. Like even Slimer was a dude with like a costume on that comes to his midriff or whatever, and the arms are real, and he's just going, blah, blah. it's pretty sick. <laughs> Although, speaking of Slimer, he wasn't as big of a thing. thing as I remembered.
1: Yeah, he's kind of just that one...
2: Is, this big, is he big in the second one? Or is it just the he's cartoon? He's in the cartoon. Yeah, the cartoon is like a main character. Yeah, he's
1: one of the guys, isn't he? He's like a good ghost. Did you did you read that he was an ode to to John Belushi? I did hear that. Gluttony. And just like having the cigar or just... Does he have eating. A cigar? No. They
2: said the eating like the... He's
1: just eating everything.
2: <laughs> yeah. Yeah, that's interesting. Um, the Marshmallow Man was pretty fucking badass. So I had this weird thing with the Marshmallow Man, right? Did you – I don't know if this, if you had a similar experience. First, I was – as a kid, I'm like, Marshmallow Man, yep, got it. It's a big Marshmallow Man. And then I think as a kid, I got it confused with the Michelin, Michelin Man. Man. Yeah, yeah, Michelin Man. And then as I got older, because we don't have it in Australia, but then as I got older in the U.S., there's a m- mascot Poppin' Fresh, the Pillsbury Doughboy.
1: Uh, Poppin' Fresh.
2: Exactly. And so I think it's that – exact Simpsons episode when I just had this crisis of, wait, do I understand what the Marshmallow Man is? Is that Puppin' Fresh? Excuse me, Mr. Burns.
0: Puppin' <gasps> Fresh,
2: you glutinous little doughboy! boy. <laughs> There's something I've wanted to do to you for
3: years. <laughs> oh, wow. Mr. Burns, uh, I uh, was wondering if you'd like to sponsor my bowling team for... $500.
0: Oh, I certainly pop and fresh. I, I owe my robust physique to your tubes of triple bleached goo. Woohoo!
2: So, yeah, uh, so because of that, and then when I was living in the U.S., I became more of aware of that mascot. What is that? It's like pa- pastry. I'm not, I don't know. I don't totally understand what they do. Triple
1: or, triple bleached glue, so glue.
2: Also, random one. So when we were working in the U.S., a sales rep that Ara worked with, her last name was Pillsbury, and she married into the Pillsbury family of Poppin' Fresh, like that company. So she's like a billionaire family or whatever. Oh, right. So fascinating. But, yeah, so when I was getting ready to rewatch this, I was like, okay, so I'm going to get it now. The Marshmallow Man was just a slang for that character. I thought it was that character. But still, it's the Marshmallow Man. Stay puffed. They just made up a fake brand. Oh, is that a
1: fake brand? Yeah.
2: The, the maybe it is
1: that and they just give it a different name because of yeah, well, copyright. Looks
2: a bit di- I, and I was looking into it I thought, oh, maybe it, maybe that's exactly what happened and it was meant to be that. But it seems like it was always the Marshmallow Man, like even from his initial drawings uh, when he first came up with the idea, Dan Aykroyd drew a Marshmallow Man. So it's interesting. But I was very glad to finally have that resolved. <laughs> mm, um, quite. 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 <laughs>
1: Me uh, too, and I'm sure our listeners
2: are as well. Especially the Australian ones, maybe not the American ones. We should talk about the cast a little bit though. Oh, yeah. Um. Obviously, Moranis is in there. He's great. Uh, like I said, we talk a lot about Moranis in, in Honey, I Shrunk the Kids. So I don't want to repeat ourselves here. Just go listen to that. It's Apparently, they all improv a lot. It's one of those things, one of those movies. But his <laughs> when he got cast, he kind of really shaped that character, came up with a lot of the... Uh,
1: the backstory. The
2: backstory there. Um, but Te- that, that party.
1: <laughs> Ted and Annette have a small clean, dry cleaning service in receivership, but they got 8% left on their
2: is that, that That kind of shit. That is brilliant. Yeah. Like this this whole scene, uh, apparently, is just him winging it.
0: How you doing? Why don't you have some of the brie? It's at room temperature. You think it's too warm in here for the brie? Louis, I'm going home. I don't leave yet. Well, listen, maybe if we start dancing, other people will join in. Oh, don't move! I just gotta get the door. Ted, Annette, hey, glad you could come. How you doing? Give me your coats, everybody. This is Ted and Annette Fleming. How are you? Ted has a small carpet cleaning business in receivership. Annette's drawing a salary from a deferred bonus from two years ago. They got fifteen thousand left on the house at eight percent. So they're okay. So somebody want to play party cheesy? Okay, who brought the dog?
2: We all know what happens next. A funny little tidbit I picked up on uh from our friends on the internet is uh, <laughs> he plays the character that would become the keymaster. He gets locked out of his apartment three different times. <laughs> I love that. Is that a? That must be intentional. That's intentional. Yeah.
1: How good is that? I do not never notice never, that never
2: thought of That like why make him the keymaster? <laughs> uh, but uh, you, I mean, Bill Murray also great subtle. Um, I I feel like uh, I haven't gone super deep on Bill Murray here. I feel like there'll be other vehicles where perhaps we
1: get a little bit here. It's probably worth. I mean, this is this is a prime. I don't know where this is in the trajectory of his career. It's relatively early.
2: It's relatively early. I think this is next level, BAM, because he didn't make any is... movies for four years after this. Yeah, really. He took his foot off the gas, and the next one was Scrooged. Yeah, which is so 84 to 87 or something. 80s. 80...
1: This was pretty. Yeah. Ma- so obviously he wasn't meant to be in it originally, yeah. which is interesting. And then when he came in, um, I read in a review, sort of applauding Dan Aykroyd and and Harold Ramis for kind of letting him take. Front and center, right? Because Dan Aykroyd probably been in a bit by by this stage, and he was yeah. yeah. He, so he was kind of he was a front man, yeah, yeah, yeah. Lead, yeah. So they kind of let him do his thing, and which is which was kind of cool, yeah. Um, did you should we talk about the feud?
2: So what's this feud? I heard something about this, but I didn't
1: feud, not F-double-O-D, not Irish food feud, but feud. <laughs> um, when two people disagree, yeah. What happened? Well. So Bill Murray has quite the history of feuds.
2: With um what's his name?
1: Oh, like with co stars, yeah. generally speaking.
2: Well uh what's it? Um what's Chevy Chase.
1: Chevy Chase, yep. But he sounds
2: type. like uh, Chevy Chase sounds like an asshole.
1: Yeah, they came to Fisticuffs, apparently. Yeah. But all through his career there's sort of people um, Lucy Lou. Lucy Lou. Richard Dreyfus in What About Bob.
2: Oh uh, yeah. And uh, then with, with um Egon in um Yes in uh Fucking hell. <laughs> this. In this? Oh. Harold Ramis. Yeah, I was going to say in Groundhog Day.
1: Yeah, well, that's where it came to blow. So apparently yeah, okay. they butted head of, heads a few times. Right. Um, and then, but they, were, but they were really good mates. Yeah. So I think Bill Murray's like godfather to his, one of yeah. Ramis's daughters. So then, yeah, they had a massive blowout on Groundhog Day. Um, Ramis attributed it to Bill Murray. Apparently was going through some shit. Right. But they didn't speak for 20 years. Fuck. And then Ramus has, you know, passed away a few years ago. Uh 2014. So yeah. um but he was quite sick for a while. So Bill Murray's brother convinced Bill to go around.
2: Brian Doyle Murray? Correct. Yeah. Yeah. The one that talks like this. Yeah, yeah,
1: yeah. <laughs> he uh he convinced him to go around. So apparently he got a, a police cavalcade and rocked up with a box of donuts. Uh. Uh, But then by then, I think Ramos was pretty ill. But they, you know, they made peace, which is nice.
2: It's interesting you say this because I was likening this crew. It's a bit of a stretch, but I was just thinking about the dynamic of the crew and how they each kind of have a role from a creative standpoint. But I was also thinking, like, what if Belushi didn't die? And I was thinking about, like, the Beatles. Like, they're a bit (sighs) – Bill Murray, to me, is a bit like – I was going to say – George Harrison, because he seems the most laid back and doesn't seem to care about anything, and then Dan Aykroyd, I was thinking, is like Paul McCartney, but then John Belushi was potentially Lennon, and it's Ooh. like, well, what if Lennon died after the Beatles' first album? What would have happened? Oh. Would you have just go? Because I was would thinking, it, like, would
1: George have become more of an asshole?
2: Maybe. Or I was thinking, like, was uh, would Dan Aykroyd have gone on to make heaps better movies? Because he, oh. he hasn't made heaps of great ones, really. That's right?
1: interesting. He
2: went into other serious roles. He got nominated for an Oscar for Driving Miss Daisy and stuff. Did he? Yeah, supporting I've actor. I've never seen that. Yeah, me neither. But but then with that analogy, maybe maybe Murray is Lennon yeah. and, and and Harold Ramos is George. He seems to more have more of a demeanor of George, if not, just being like pretty laid back and
1: maybe Dan not still a front is George. Man. Maybe there was multiple. I mean, in the in perfect
2: world, George. everyone would be George, wouldn't they?
1: Did you know this? I like this. This is nice. Um, did you know Dan Aykroyd in terms of his creative sprinkles? Yeah, it's quite the quite the businessman.
2: Yeah, right. Yeah, crystal head, crystal head. Yeah, which I always thought was crystal skull. Me too. Adam wrote it down as crystal skull. Yeah. I had and to it, Google
1: it and I go, is that the same thing?
2: And it came out the same year as Indiana Jones in the Crystal Skull yeah. by pure coincidence. Ah.
1: So talking about the vodka you buy, That's the bottle is that little skull it's Such head. a sick bottle. Yeah, he's a bit of a booze uh,
2: baron. And blues. And blues. Booze and blues. So the, the Blues Brothers stuff wasn't just some random thing he did. He's always been into that shit. Yeah. He used to work at a blues bar and then he's created, he was a co-founder of a venue, um, what's it called? Oh, the House of Blues. He co-founded that with the same guy that did the Hard Rock Cafe. Uh, But it became the second biggest live music promoter in the world and they sold it in 2006 to Live Nation. So this guy is probably very, very cashed up. Yeah, which is cool. Also has webbed toes. Does he? And he's Canadian. He is Canadian. But it gets weirder. Go on. He wanted to become a priest until he was about 17.
1: Is that the inspiration behind Soul Man? Maybe, actually. The sitcom he starred in for quite a while. Yeah, boy. Never watched that
2: one. I think I might have watched one episode and blah. <laughs> but yeah, so he he changed his mind. Um, but then studied criminology and sociology at uni, but then he dropped out of that and worked at bars, did some stand up. But yeah, always a music guy. So he worked at this bar and there was like all these, you know, buddy guy, Alan Wolf, all these people yeah, played yeah. there. Um, so pretty legit. But then obviously S N L was his big break, season one OG.
1: Is he? Yeah. That's cool. Yeah.
2: Who else was in that? Steve Martin, Chevy Chase. Then Bill Murray came in to replace Chevy Chase basically. That's where the beef started because Chevy Chase was like too cool for school. He was too famous. He was like – Yeah,
1: I'm doing Fletch, man.
2: Yeah, and so when he came back to guest host or something in season two with Bill Murray there, Bill Murray was sort of like, I don't know, protecting the – I don't know. There was some kind of beef there. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. He was also briefly engaged to Carrie Fisher.
1: I did see that. And then she got back with her ex (laughs) who was – Peter, Paul Simon. Paul Simon. Yeah. Peter Simon? <laughs>
2: um but he is a massive believer in uh he's, he's kind of the fox molder of um comedy. <laughs> I got a clip on Joe Rogan. I thought that's the best that's oh, the best one to cover, right? Stop it. That's the kind of conversation you want to have with Joe Rogan.
1: Absolutely. Let's hear it. I didn't know. Oh, I'm excited.
0: There's a story that Neil Armstrong was at a conference in in uh, in France in a hotel room and one and there was a woman there who had been previously head of MI6 and she was a part of this cocktail party and she overheard a conversation between Neil Armstrong and another gentleman who was in the intelligence service and the guy was asking him about the moon landing and Neil said you know there was a frequency that we switched to to talk about other things that were happening at that time, and the guy said, what do you mean? He said, when we landed there on the rim of the crater nearby, he said, there were several ships and they were large and menacing. What's a menacing ship? Shaped like one of your bottles of skulls? Well, no, that, no, this is a happy skull. No, the Coneheads starship. Remember the Coneheads yeah, starship? The, uh, I do remember that. <laughs> so, I mean, that's a total... <laughs> I mean, but I think, you know, if, that, if, Neil Arm, if that's true... You know, well, well, he only said that one time in French. There's a lot of this stuff. I'm not going to
2: play all that, (laughs) but you get the idea. This is him talking about the UFOs he's actually seen himself. So not just uh, Buzz Aldrin, but this is what he's seen.
0: I've seen four, right? That you know, I've seen four. So two uh, in a high altitude sighting and uh, one fairly close at the farm a couple of years ago. And then uh, and then one really, really weird one in Montreal uh, at the 23rd floor of the Queen Elizabeth o- uh, Hotel. I'm sitting there with some friends and I see this. It looked like an air mattress, but 100 feet long by 50 feet wide, tipped over with the bulbs on the bottom, and it was moving slowly, you know, and just it stopped and then it turned and it went out over the river and we were going, what's that thing, you know? So, yeah, he's into this.
1: He might tell us...
2: But you know who else is into this, as it turns out? Bill Murray has his very own ghost story. It's, it's chilling.
0: I have seen one ghost, and I've talked about this publicly. And I'll, I'll no, I will I haven't it. heard you talk about it. You've seen a ghost. Yeah, I saw a ghost. There's a restaurant in, that we worked in, in, in this thing on, in New York called the Tavern on the Green. Sure. And there is a ghost there, and it's, he's a guy. He's a waiter. And he comes up, and he goes through the whole thing, plays it perfectly straight, says, you know, tells you what the special is, and then takes your order, and then he disappears. Never <laughs> <had him. laughs>
1: plays it straight. <laughs> oh,
0: that, that, that's, it. That's, that's the ghost of Raoul. Yeah, I had him last week. <laughs>
2: There's heaps of stuff in that interview that I would love to just play now. I'll put it all on Instagram, but it's... um. It's such a good interview on Johnny Carson. It's mm. got Dan Aykroyd as well. He didn't hear that bit there, yeah. but he's basically giving him shit the whole time. Yeah, <laughs> it's pretty it's great. great. It's so great. Um, the um, uh, Ray Parker Jr. Yes, iconic track. This one, isn't it, is. it? What else do you know about Well, this song went number one. Numero uno. Numero uno. Um, and I didn't know a lot about this guy other than this song, which he wrote relatively quickly and got inspired by a commercial for. Whatever the fuck they said, who are you gonna call? <laughs> um and he had like his whole family doing the Ghostbusters because he needed to do it real quickly. Really? Yeah. But um he did a whole bunch of shit. Um he's not really primarily a singer or anything. He's a he's a musician and he's played with a bunch of different people. You a,
1: do you have a band called Radio? He did. With the R A Y.
2: Hey, that's not bad. Well, there's this whole doco about him. And there's a trailer. I won't play the whole trailer, but there's some cool clips in here that kind of give some context to. This guy was fucking everywhere. Really? Well, maybe not everywhere, but he's he's around.
1: He was a few in a few places. <laughs>
2: A lot of y'all know me from Ghostbusters. I got it. Who
3: you gonna call? I ain't free no Ghostbusters. It makes me feel good. I got all that. But you know, it's interesting to me. Do you really think that I just woke up one morning and they just happened to call me and I wrote the song and then I went back to sleep? I mean, I I read so many things, and and I think it's just funny. Like people think that that's the only thing I've ever done, or I never did anything. How many instruments do you play? Four How old are you? 23. When did you start playing an instrument? Uh-oh, about when I was eight years old. What was the first mm-hmm. instrument you ever played? The clarinet. Where were you on the night of July 4th, thirteen? <laughs> <laughs> you played with everybody in the world, have you not, at this point, practically? Uh, yeah, just about. I'd name drop for me, <laughs> quickly, just roll off 15 names. Diana Ross, Seals and Crofts, uh, Barry White, Stevie Wonder, you know, the Rolling Stones.
1: Stop, stop. <laughs>
3: Well, let me let me just tell you this. I've got about twenty nine or thirty really big records. Shaka Khan, I wrote for Barry White, big hits on Donna Ross, Patti LaBelle, New Edition, uh, my own band Radio Ray Parker Jr. If you if you check this out, we got a lot of hits. And but the main thing I do is play the guitar, and and I'm musically trained. play with lots and lots of artists. But I just think it's really, really funny that people look at the ghost, they go, who are you going to call? And they think that, I don't know, I just woke up that afternoon and, and, and just wrote the song, went back to sleep. And by the way,
2: why do you think they called me to write that song in the first place? So I was definitely guilty of that. Because that song, he's kind of rapping. I just thought he was some shit rapper I'd never heard of. Ah. But he's, he's not. He's, he's some great musician I'd never heard of.
1: <laughs> yeah, I, guilty.
2: Yeah. Funnily enough uh spoke about back to the future before he actually got sued by Huey Lewis
1: ah yes yeah so for this particular track yeah
2: this this particular track so I'll, for a little comparison here here is um the ghostbusters song of course <laughs> Now here is the uh, Huey Lewis and the News song, which is called I Want a New Drug. Now judge Mm -hmm. for yourselves, people. So it was mainly that that bassy thing, not, not the melody or anything, but
1: yeah, it's close. It's enough to file a lawsuit, I'd say.
2: Yeah. And so they settled out of court, which I think means he paid some kind of money. But years later, in like 2001, <laughs> um, Ray sued him back because Huey broke his confidentiality agreement in an interview. And then I think he got heaps of cash for that. So. What was
1: the confidentiality?
2: I think it is. Because they settled out of court, they will probably like. He yeah. told
1: them what, they said, what the agreement was.
2: Well, yeah, whatever, yeah. Ah. So. <laughs> Very litigious. Yes. <laughs> oh, man.
1: What about the, uh, was there much in the fashion for you there? I did oh. notice there was a lot of check. Okay. Uh, or played to mm-hmm. our 30%. Yeah. Yeah, there's one scene in the firehouse and they're all in check. Yeah. Janine's in check.
2: Oh, they're all smoking cigarettes too. They're all smoking cigarettes. Constantly.
1: (laughs) Just hanging out of their mouth. They do the old
2: Yeah, yeah. Yeah. He seemed to be a big fan of that move, didn't he, Mr. Ackroyd? Oh, big time. (laughs) That was
1: his jam. He probably watched Buddy Guy do it a few times and thought thought it was the way forward. (laughs) Pretty sure I've done that as well. Yeah. I did remember Sigourney Weaver has since done another comedy.
2: The the space one
1: heartbreaker oh
2: yeah the space one especially well. really good what's that called again
1: heartbreakers <laughs> hey heartbreakers two Jennifer Love Hewitt and Ray Liotta yeah which I remember being pretty funny I never watched it but I might have been heavily distracted for <laughs> 123 minutes you haven't seen that no it's good you should watch that
2: yeah what was the space what the Star Trek oh.
1: galaxy galaxy quest, yeah, quest. Yeah, yeah
2: galaxy quest yeah 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 um, that's supposed to be really good too. I think I might have seen it when I was young, but I can't really remember. Um, uh,
1: gorillas in the Mist,
2: classic. A laugh a minute.
1: We're a loll fest.
2: <laughs> Aliens three, zing. Oh yeah. I mean, she's pretty good in this, I guess, but I don't. I don't yeah.
1: My dad's favourite scene was when she levitated, which <laughs> which is my least favourite scene. But now that I think back, a kind of him telling me that is Just, disturbing.
2: Yeah. <laughs> He's got a great joke in there too not your dad bill murray yeah
0: i want you inside me <laughs> go ahead no i can't sounds like you got at least two people in there already might be a little crowded
1: when you're inside it's quite graphic
2: <laughs> exactly i never picked up on that as a no crew. neither
1: i do a favorite line in between those two when he goes around the house and he's doing the inspection for the first <laughs> the squeaky, time. I, that I love the squirty gun thing.
2: And I can't tell if, in the, even in the world of the movie, if that's a real thing. Yeah, he just
1: picks up something from <laughs> the side of the plot and walked into the house. Yeah, probably, probably that. Yeah.
0: That's the bedroom, but nothing ever happened in there. What a crime! Crime.
2: crime. <laughs> 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 I mean, he's a little bit of a predator, but.
1: Yeah, Um, but in a disarming way. (laughs) Massive predator. All right, should we talk about the legacy? There's a few sequels, some reboots. Yeah, it's quite the franchise. It is. Multimedia.
2: Multimedia. So obviously there was Ghostbusters Part 2, a bit of a – they weren't super happy with it. There was obviously the reboot in 2016,
1: 2014.
2: 2016. Obviously that that was controversial, I guess, because it was all females. Lots of bored men lost their shit that it was – Females. It wasn't very good. <laughs> Maybe that's more of the issue. But um, I haven't seen it. It's it's fine, but again, it's just like
1: I think. Yeah, people probably thought we we're getting a, these guys back because there's been so much talk. Yeah. Maybe I don't know.
2: Yeah, I don't know. It, it's okay. I'd I, I, you'd watch it and you'd be like, oh yeah, it's good cast, good.
1: isn't it? Yeah. Um, what's
2: her names really good. The, um, from SNL, the blonde one. Fuck, I'm forgetting everyone's name. Amy Poehler. No, new a new generation. Anyway. Yeah. It's, Amy it's, it's fine. It's a good
1: Netflix movie. It's not like... Netflix and chill movie. It's a Netflix and chill movie. Have you... Where do you feel about the m- misuse of Netflix and chill? In terms of... People just saying it, thinking it just means... Is
2: it about banging?
1: It's about banging, right? Yeah. But heaps of people use it just thinking... So, like...
2: Oh, no. Like, parents aren't saying it either. like, Yeah. Oh, <laughs> I've heard it in my office a bit.
1: Oh, so, like, how was your weekend? Oh, Netflix and chill. Like, was whoa. Like, <laughs> blah, 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 blah. Okay. It's a
2: bit too much information. Good for you. <laughs> yeah. uh, Sorry, I digress. Is that when you say OK Boomer? You heard about uh, the OK Boomer? I, thing?
1: This week. <laughs> it's new for me. I think it's new. Yeah, well, well, I, it I well. am on the cultural precipice then. <laughs> you sure are. Um,
2: so, in addition to that, there was also a cameo in the Casper movie.
0: Who are you going to call? Someone else
1: Ah, uh, yes Yeah, It's pretty lame. lame
0: But
2: the irony of that is Initially the creators of Casper Sued creators of Ghostbusters Because in the logo The ghost in the logo Looks like Casper. the Fatso The Fatso ghost uh, Which I guess is the name of the fat one I don't really know Casper very well uh, <clears throat> So that's kind of kind of weird But then the game The video game Did you ever play that? I would have Because so you should because they just released a remastered version so it could be time for Gamer Greg to emerge from his cave or go into his cave for my annual game yeah annual game Um, because this is up your alley because Dan Aykroyd says this is the closest to a third movie because they actually it's got Bill Murray's voice and everything it's got all their voices and uh, Harold Ramis and Dan Aykroyd were consulted on the script and that kind of thing oh it's pretty fun I got a little clip here that captures have you played it it's bustiness. I played it back in the day I think I brought it off Hugo. But I not play that much.
0: All right, Ace. Get ready. Dr. Stan. So you play and you go first, though. Proud to Dr. Venkman. Part of our settlement with the city proton packs must remain off in heavily populated public areas and in close quarters. It minimizes the city's liabilities and satisfies the restraining order the maid here had put on us. Where we live in today, you shoot a proton stream of highly charged particles at someone, they get all so happy.
2: It's him. Like The effects and shit are really cool. But yeah, yeah, they just released the remastered version. So it could be it could be time, Greg. Could be time. It's probably dirt cheap too. Um, initially, they didn't want any more sequels because they thought the second one was shit. And they were like, "Ah, oh, the first one was good. We should never have made the second mm. one. But then the idea of a third one started to gather steam. But then poor old Harold Ramis passed away yeah. in 2014. So things kind of stopped again. Ivan Reitman decided he didn't really want to direct one without him either, and what I didn't realize was the original four or whoever many there were basically held the rights to Ghostbusters, ah. and they eventually sold them and made heaps of money.
1: Oh, who and that's, too?
2: that's when the reboot got done. I think just back to the studio or something. I'm not sure how it works. Someone, I guess it someone. I guess no one could make anything without their approval at some point, but then they just got rid of that and gave it to a studio or something. But but the, but the new one is on the way. It's going to be next year. Ghostbusters 2020 with a young Jason Reitman directing.
1: Uh, you know, he's got some, So obviously son of
2: yeah Ivan, but mm. he's done some
1: pretty massive movies. Oh,
2: what's he done? I didn't look into that. Uh,
1: I had a look. I haven't written them down though, so give us, give us a sec. While you're
2: looking for that, a few notable quotes in the, in the movie. A little reminder, this is 1984 and Egon says, print is dead.
1: Yeah. Probably was um, that.
2: Yeah. That did was he crazy. mean something else by that?
1: Well, Carol and I were scratching our head on that one too because.
2: Is it print, like how. Is print it was doing all right then, wasn't is it? Like how when um, Biggie said blow up like the World Trade. Yeah. And it's like, oh, he predicted 9 11, but there was a small bomb in World Trade Center previously. But, oh, was there? Yeah. But what did he mean by print is dead? That's weird. Oh, and a little Easter egg. Not really an Easter egg intentionally, but for us, the guy that played the mayor was the guy. They kept sniffing in Seinfeld.
1: Ah, oh, the accountant. Yeah. <laughs> Cigarette? No, no,
0: I never touch them. Well, I suck them down like Coca-Cola. <laughs> <laughs> well, here's to feeling good all the time.
1: Huh? <laughs> uh, he's done. Thank you for smoking. And Juno. Ah. So...
2: Yeah, so he's, he's a, quite a critical darling, perhaps. Perhaps. Yeah, good for him.
1: Good for him. So it sounds like it's in safe hands. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, so that'll be exciting. I will watch that, see if I can find my T-shirt.
2: Yeah, do it. You might have to cut the sleeves off. Why? And the stomach off. Right. And the and the chest off. Why? <laughs> you might have to fashion it into some sort of bandana.
1: Hey, I'm the same waist as <laughs> it was when I was two. <laughs> Did you have a go at any recasties? I did not, did you? Not really. Just like I mean, it's I kind of just think this is such a well-balanced cast.
2: Because you know, I don't like any version. I can't think of if they put like if they yeah. put fucking Ryan Reynolds in this, i would be, be Oh gosh. Uh, and Seth Rogen, I really like him, but I don't think I'd want to see him in this. Like it just yeah, it suddenly just becomes Wilson, like any movie ever. Yeah, so putting those people
1: in it. Like all the people that you'd think would be in it now, I don't want to see them in it.
2: And I honestly reckon that's why that last one probably didn't work, because it's just and that's the best possible class you could probably come up yeah. with, I reckon. And it still it's still did Yeah. Oh yeah. So I mean, re- with yeah. the reboot, like mm. that's the best modern version I reckon you could do, but it's just it loses something. It's like Jurassic Park reboots. It's just like, I don't know. Yeah. You can't manufacture that that magic. Yeah. Um. All right. Should we get into the verdict?
1: I don't know what to say, really. I
0: don't remember asking you a goddamn thing. I the law! I'd like an to answer the question, Judge. I want to have them answered immediately. You can't handle the truth! What are you waiting for, ah! Say what again? Say what again? I dare you! Nothing further, your honor.
1: And that's all I had to say about that. Did you have an MVP and a, and a low key VP? I had an
2: MVP, or I had a, well, I had a, a draw perhaps. Yeah. I'd say either Bill Murray mm-hmm. or Rick Moranis. And I'm maybe leaning more towards Mick Rick Moranis just because Bill Murray is doing his usual thing. But so Rick Moranis, I guess.
1: <laughs> <laughs> well, they can have a tie. Yeah, they can have a tie. Do you know who I had as a low key VP who, who? we haven't mentioned today? Who? The EPA guy. He's a dickhead. He's so such much. a great dickhead.
2: <laughs> yeah. He's like. He's such a great oh, dickhead. Oh, do you feel. How do you feel that often these guys are redheads?
1: Hey, easy tiger. <laughs> well, like, what, dickheads? <laughs> <laughs> in
2: movies, I mean. Oh, is it man. like Is that like poor it, representation?
1: Oh, uh, is that racism? Yeah. That you are sprouting? No, I'm just
2: pointing out that often the bad oh. guy across the old Dean type. Because um, yeah, like in um, Beulah. He reminded yeah. me a lot of the Bueller guy, and then oh, I was like, "Wait, he? is that like a common? Maybe. Is that a
1: thing? I don't know. Look into it." He's great though, because he's also the dickhead in Die Hard. William oh. Atherton is his name. He's the reporter that's down.
2: Ah, <sighs> thought he looked familiar.
1: Did you get that?
2: He's in the video game too. So yeah. the video game, the video game, I forgot to mention, picks up like straight after Ghostbusters too. So it is a legit like oh. set in the nineties. It's yeah. Anyway.
1: Yeah, he's awesome. <clears throat> I mean,
2: I think we're saying this is a rewatch.
1: This is 100%. yeah, 100, maybe 100.
2: Yeah. I feel incredible. like not a lot of tension in this episode, but whatever. It's Ghostbusters. It's fucking yeah. great. Um, there
1: I've wasn't done a lot. this episode without my pants on. <laughs> it's true. It's true. Sorry.
2: <laughs>
1: um, man, that might. I don't. I think that's it. I think that's it. Yeah. This is a classic movie. Yeah. Classic things.
2: Hey, leave us a review. <laughs> you little fuckers <laughs> nah sorry you little legends Are you little legends um, for those who have uh, we appreciate you for those who have been dropping us those DMs it's lovely to hear from you it's great yeah. to know that uh, that people want to listen to this junk yeah um, but uh, yeah if you're listening like the show and you haven't reviewed yet please do so uh, if you've got suggestions DM us
1: yeah, if you think the suggestion is not to record again on a Sunday morning, noted.
2: Noted. Also, we are going to do some Christmas movies and we haven't got them oh, all yes. figured out yet. So if you've got a Christmas movie suggestion, let us know.
1: Yeah, we're going to, what are we going to do? Like three or like most Maybe of December? Three. Yeah, yeah mm-hmm. most of December will do Christmas movies. Yeah. Send us your recommend or your requests. Yeah. Send us your requests. Your requests. All right, we'll wrap it. All right.
0: Bye. See ya. Dan,
2: Dan